Hello and welcome to another edition of the Startup Operator Roundup. This is Roundup 103-2. All right, uh, you might not see a familiar face on screen today. Uh, well, Gunjan Zaha is busy partying slash traveling in Indonesia and slash working as well as he would like us to believe. Uh, we have instead, drum roll please, we have a producer, Thiru, subbing for him today. So Thiru, how does it feel like uh, to be on your first Roundup? Feels good, but it feels I'm feeling a little nervous. Little nervous. All right. Hopefully, I mean, you know, the monsters don't come and eat you up. Don't worry, it'll be fine. Right. So yeah, if you're new to the roundup, uh, we curate uh, news and insights from the Indian startup ecosystem. We talk about the week that was, fundraisers, industrial policy, uh, who said what, why you should care about things, and so on and so forth. And this has been a super busy week, uh, right? I mean, we're going to talk about a few things, right, Thiru? So what are we going to talk about? So the first is Silicon Valley Bank's sudden collapse. Yellow AI is latest to join layoff spree by startups. Go Mechanic has been sold to car trade. Uh, PM Modi says startups have the potential to create a huge market for handicrafts. Government of India has published a presentation on New Digital India Act that gives insights on what it's going to be about. And uh, Mintify and Zetwork have raised funds. And uh, Ku is, is the first company in the world to integrate ChatGPT into its uh, services. All right. Uh, so last week we put out an episode with uh, Shruti of Apna Club. If you haven't already checked it out, do check it out. Uh, it's about supply chain financing and we'll talk about uh, some of that uh, in this week's fundraise uh, section as well with Mintify. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. Why don't you start us off uh, through with uh, SVB. What's happening? Well, Russian, uh, SVB became the largest US bank to fail since the 2008 financial crisis. The collapse was caused due to a sudden bank run by its depositors in a panic triggered by several factors. California banking regulators closed the bank and appointed the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation as receiver for later disposition of its assets. On Monday, HSBC announced they bought SVB's London unit of the bank for one pound only. Wow, fireside sale. <laughs> yeah. Also, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen approved actions enabling the FDIC to complete its resolution of SVB in a manner that fully protects all depositors. The depositors will have access to all of their money starting on Monday, March 13th. Well, that should come as uh, some relief to uh, founders, for sure. It's been a nervous few days in the Indian startup ecosystem, particularly for B2B SaaS startups. Silicon Valley Bank is extremely startup friendly. It is an iconic institution uh, in California, uh, right? And a lot of startups bank with them, you know. And, uh, you know, of all the things that you can think of going wrong, whoever thinks about, uh, you know, de your deposits not being safe, right? I mean, that's the one thing that you at least can make an assumption on, right? So... This whole thing started because the, the amount of deposits that SVB had uh, really ballooned over the last three years, right? I mean, given the low interest rates and given the fundraising hype, I mean, we had a huge amount of money come into the bank. So they had something like $60 billion of assets uh, around 2019, 2020, pre-pandemic. Uh, and then that, you know, uh, rose up to something like 180 or 190 billion dollars. Right. Uh, and remember that deposits are liabilities for banks. Right. So which means that they have to put that money to work uh, to earn an interest. Uh, and, and usually that is what uh, banks are uh, careful about. Right. Credit risk, which is that, you know, am I lending into the right kind of people? Am I recovering my loans? Am I earning enough interest and so on? Right. But they weren't able to sort of loan this money out uh, quickly enough. Right. I mean, and the deposits rose. Uh, and they had this weird situation where, uh, you know, the funding dried up and uh, they had to cover their liquidity. Uh, so in that period of time, 2022, they had uh, 
bought in a lot of these uh, long-term uh, mortgage-backed securities, right? They had bought these uh, 10-year uh, MBSs at uh, something like 1.5% interest rate. Now, you know, we've, we've covered this as well over the last couple of quarters, two or three quarters, the Fed has been steadily incre increasing rates, you know, by 50 basis points, 75 basis points, enough that it's the highest rate increase in uh, 10 or 15 years, right? And soon to be 40 years, actually. Yeah. Uh, although, I mean, I don't know if we'll see another rate hike. And what this does is that, uh, you know, the market value of all of the MBSs are way less than, uh, you know, what uh, SVB bought it for, right? Um, and in order for them to cover some of their liquidity. See, again, it's not a solvency crisis. It's a liquidity crisis at this point of time, right? At the point that I'm talking about. And in order for them to cover their liquidity, in order for them to have some cash, they sold some of their assets uh, at a loss, right? They sold it for something like a $1.8 billion loss, which is significant. Now, this unfortunately was not worded in a, in a way that uh, would inspire confidence, right? And a bunch of uh, investors caught on to this, right? I mean, uh, SVB sold this in Jan, I think, right? And uh, Peter Thiel, Union Square uh, Ventures, a bunch of these folks caught on to it. They advised their portfolio companies to withdraw their uh, money and so on. And this kind of triggered a bank run. Uh, and really, there aren't too many banks in the world that can, you know, resist or survive a bank run, right? I mean, you, if you suddenly have, you know, 10x the number of people who are withdrawing on a daily basis show up at your door, you know, it's really, really hard, right? Unless you're one of those really, really large banks. Uh, so being a regional bank, uh, even though it is large enough, right? I mean, it's the, the top 20 largest bank uh, in the US at, at that time. Right. I mean, they, they weren't able to resist this. And uh, yeah, I mean, the FDIC had to step in. The bank was shut down. Uh, but fortunately, you know, better sense has prevailed. Uh, right. Uh, Treasury, Treasury Secretary uh, uh, Janet Yellen has announced that, you know, the depositors will be made whole. Uh, there's this whole debate about, hey, I mean, is this a bailout, not a bailout, who's paying for this, all of that stuff, which is very complex. I mean, in my opinion, somebody is paying for it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if not the taxpayers as the Treasury Secretary claims, somebody else is paying for it, for sure. But uh, it basically reinforces trust in the banking system, at least, right? That, uh, hey, I mean, if you deposit money, I mean, at least that is uh, good. Right. I mean, otherwise, I mean, I don't know who would really uh, keep their money in regional banks otherwise. And what's to prevent other bank runs from happening? You know, uh, as we speak uh, today, you know, March 13, Monday, First Republic is down, I think, 60 or 70 percent. There are another couple of banks which are down 50, 60 percent. And this is the stock value, basically. Right. So, yeah, it's a, it's a period of... Uh, a lot of chaos, but, uh, you know, as they say, the U.S. always does the right thing once it's extinguished all the other options, right? Feel like, I mean, the right thing was done in this case because one thing to note also is, you know, these are not uh, the typical tech bro types that, uh, you know, the, uh, some of the narrative uh, talks about, right? I mean, these are small businesses. These are people who had a few million dollars and these were people who could not uh, make their payroll without this money, right? So, um, yeah. All in all, I think we've managed to dodge somewhat of a, uh, a terrible situation. So the funds will be accessible uh, uh, right now, even beyond the 250K. And I think the FDIC will uh, sort of liquidate the assets, uh, maybe wait for, uh, you know, one of the bigger banks, I don't know, JP Morgan, Citibank or Bank of America or someone else to uh, really buy them out. As you heard, HSBC has bought the London unit. Uh, right. Um, this could be a good opportunity, you know, for one of the larger banks as well. Or because maybe Elon Musk. 
<laughs> or maybe Elon Musk who seems to want to buy everything right <laughs> yeah. right yeah i mean crazy but yeah i mean one of the larger banks may uh, very well end up uh, buying svb right and uh, they get access to all of the vcs and the startups and what not yeah interesting times i mean i was just uh, you know talking to a colleague of mine that you know uh imagine 5 or 10 years down the line the kind of stories that you will have to say right uh, uh, that you will be able to tell that i survived a pandemic <laughs> right where the whole world shut down right and i survived a bank run where our money was stuck right um yeah uh, really surreal times and uh, again my heart goes out to all the founders who have been impacted uh stay strong and uh, hopefully you know uh, the uh, one thing heartening as well is that the community is really coming together and hopefully you know we will uh, uh we will see some kind of resolution on this front right yeah moving on conversational ai startup yellow ai has joined the growing list of startups doing layoffs having fired 15% of its workforce over the past 6 months wow The SaaS startup said it announced the layoffs via a company-wide communication in an email from the CEO to the employees. On a broader note, the startup ecosystem as a whole has laid off nearly 23,000 employees across 78 startups as the funding winter continues. Uh well, it's always sad to hear about layoffs and downsizing, uh, but it's, you know, it's something that has to be done in order for them to stay afloat. Yellow AI I think had raised 100 million dollars or something uh in 2021, I want to say. Yeah. And uh you know, with all of these growth ambitions, it's easy to sort of uh, get carried away and really expand very quickly. Um but again, you know, what the funding winter, what the uh, market turning has re-emphasized is that you know you really have to be cautiously optimistic right which is that you have to again you know um, uh, lay emphasis on business fundamentals but all of these things again right i mean it's it's easy for us to talk about this in the studio our brand new studio yes. <laughs> but uh, it's harder on ground you know practically um, so yeah my uh, again my sympathies with the team uh, especially the folks who have been laid off but hopefully you know they get absorbed in other companies but saas man i mean saas is such a like i don't know why saas companies uh, have not been able to plan this better right i mean uh, Uh, i can understand a consumer internet startup that hasn't really figured out its monetization or you know other kinds of startups right but b2b saas i mean it it can be as predictable as possible right, right yeah. um and it's something where you can scale in a very calibrated way but again you know props to the folks in the arena the folks who are like fighting it out there uh, right and hopefully you know um, things turn around and uh, some of the optimism returns Okay so on a similar note almost 2 months after Go Mechanics co-founder Amit Basin publicly admitted to financial misreporting the after sales service startup has reportedly found a buyer in auto marketplace Cartrade Cartrade has valued Go Mechanic at a little over 30 million and this is a steep decline from the post money valuation of 285 million dollars it achieved in June 2021 The reports state that beside car trade another investment firm is also involved in the deal. Uh well I suppose it's reasonable consolidation right both of them work in the same space and uh, you're going to see a lot more of this because there are a lot of startups what I call orphan startups right where the founders have kind of checked out and this is just par for the course I mean after the kind of uh, you know funding boom that we had in 21 uh and the market turning in 22 you are going to see a bunch of these startups that will be kind of up for sale right where the founders have 
kind of sort of backed out or they've given up or no longer in a position to scale the startup and it's a good opportunity for consolidation i should say uh, right if uh, people have been uh, prudent about their finances uh, i think this is a great time to shop right i mean you've seen uh, saas companies for example public saas company is uh, uh, some of the best saas companies are trading at 7x or 8x multiple so if you paid uh, 30x or 40x for a saas company in 2021 now should be like a discount sale right right so yeah i mean uh, I, i i definitely see some of the larger startups um, scoop uh, scoop some of these folks up right um, yeah right well on a more optimistic note prime minister narendra modi on saturday said that indian startups can play a big role in creating a huge market for homegrown handicraft products he said that these products can also get assistance from startups in a better technology design packaging and financing this was while he was addressing a, a webinar on pm vikas yojana he also said that this scheme will further strengthen partnership between indian private sector and local artisans mm. this is a you know it's a long standing dream of any technology entrepreneur in india right which is how can we take indian arts and handicrafts which are so rich and so diverse to the world and uh, in many ways the world has been flattened twice given covid and what everything's happened uh, everything that's happened post that uh, so yeah i mean the vikas uh, yojana i think affects about 20 lakh people 20 lakh candidates have, have been uh, skilled uh, based on that program and uh, looking at you know how this whole d2c phenomena has shaped up right uh, i certainly have bought uh, you know stuff whether it is shoes or whether it is chocolates uh, from places like mysore coimbatore uh, some place in jaipur and so on right we have this kind of plug and play infrastructure to uh, enable these uh, small businesses you know to really sell their wares online so whether it is uh, technology whether it is delivery uh, whether it is marketing there is so much of support uh, in an infrastructure right and this is uh, what you know sajit pai of bloom was uh, saying as well on the weekend which is that startups in india tend to punch way above their weight right right and so yeah i mean this is a, a very interesting exciting kind of a space uh, for us to look at i i know a couple of uh, folks who are working in this space and props to them you know right so on a more optimistic note still more optimistic uh, note still more <laughs> optimistic note the government of india has shared a, a presentation on a new digital india act aimed at preventing market power concentration and gatekeeping by big tech companies and this will replace the information technology act of 2022 this act seeks to revamp india's current digital regulatory landscape which has been far outdated so the digital india act lays out plans for india's digital goals by 2026 a global standard for cyber laws present challenges in the cyberspace beyond the act of it 2000 yeah i think one particular aspect of the digital india presentation that i saw uh, really appealed to me the fact that you know the government is calling for an open internet and uh, talks about uh, fair trade and so on right we have spoken plenty of times uh, on this podcast on how big tech can sometimes have uh, very unfair practices right and gives a sort of a stepmotherly treatment to indian entrepreneurs uh, whether it is you know their very opaque algorithms uh, on the play store app stores uh, or the fact that there is there aren't uh, you know particularly good uh, redressal mechanisms in order for developers to kind of reach out and uh, reach resolutions and so on so this is amazing you know uh, this regulation will uh, hopefully uh, put them in place and also do what's right for uh, indian entrepreneurs and developers all right so in some very interesting news ku is the first company to integrate chat gpt okay. into its microblogging platform so this will allow users to access a variety of use cases including sourcing top news of the day 
or requesting a post on a particular theme. And th this feature is available to verified profiles for now and it will be expanded to all users in the near future. I think this is a very interesting development. Uh, I've seen a few tweets uh, generated by ChatGPT and I couldn't tell uh, the generated tweet from the actual tweets uh, by people, right? Uh, it's able to study the tone, expression, articulation uh, based on the history of all the tweets uh, that uh, the account has put out and generate that. Fantastic stuff, you know, and, and Ku has uh, done exceedingly well, uh, right? I mean, incidentally, they're very big in uh, Brazil. So Ku apparently translates to ass in Portuguese. Okay. And, <laughs> and this became uh, somewhat of a viral thing in uh, Brazil where one of the journalists there picked it up and uh, started talking about it. So, you know, when you say follow my coup or whatever it's like follow my ass right i mean it's weird how these things work especially in consumer internet uh, for sure right so very interesting development and uh, yeah uh, props to uh, you know the coup team hopefully uh, it's been a long pending thing for us to have aprame on the podcast sometime yeah i mean hopefully it materializes in the next couple of months yeah so russian with elon taking over twitter and coup integrating chat gpt uh, how do you think it will play out between the two companies see i always feel the smaller platform is the more nimble platform right ku can launch 100 features in the next uh, you know four five months in comparison with uh, twitter right uh, but although twitter has been going at breakneck speed uh, post uh, elon musk's takeover right i mean this is what you get when you have a cto slash product guy as the ceo uh, right they've certainly come a long way uh, since uh, but you know i think the the demographics are very different right uh Ku is uh, more language focused. It's more focused on emerging economies, Brazil, Nigeria, Southeast Asia, and so on. Whereas uh, Twitter clearly has a bent towards the Western world. Uh, and the market is uh, big enough that, you know, there can be two or three platforms, I think. Yeah. All right. So moving on to some fundraising news for the week. Okay. Around 178 million has been raised across 18 deals over the past eight days. Fintech startup Mintify has raised 110 million in a series D round. Wow. Content to commerce unicorn Good Glam Group has increased its stake to 90% in the mom's company. Mm -hmm. Zetwork has raised $12 million in debt from Edelweiss Group. And ahead of IPL, fantasy cricket startup Fantasy Akada has raised $11 million. Wow. Interesting bunch of uh, companies for sure. A few things I want to pick up on. Uh, obviously, IPL season is coming up uh, and we spoke about uh, Ashneel Grover's uh, latest uh, startup as well, right? Crickpay. Crickpay. Uh, so it's going to heat up, man, with these uh, gaming, uh, fantasy gaming startups and so on. Zetwork raising a bridge round, well, they have been uh, bleeding money for the last uh, year or so. Uh, so I think hopefully, you know, this uh, helps them tide things over. Mintify is an interesting startup, right? I mean, we've had supply chain financing uh, startups earlier. We've had Rupify and maybe a couple of others I'm forgetting. But yeah, I mean, this is a very interesting thing, right? I mean, they have, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, uh, consumer brands or uh, distributors working with them. Uh, and uh, they simplify this whole process of getting credit on demand, uh, right? And we've spoken earlier about how India is so famously credit starved. And so these folks are, are, are doing a fine job uh, helping uh, connect businesses with the, the liquidity they need, right? So uh, very interesting. And uh, the mom's company, you know, we had Malika Sadani uh, uh, sometime back on the podcast. Uh, do check out that episode. It talks about how to build a D2C brand. Very, very interesting content. Yeah, they've increased their take in uh, the mom's company by 90%, which is, uh, again, significant, uh, I should say, right? I think the Good Glam group has a bunch of these uh, folks that they're kind of operating as a portfolio. So interesting bunch of fundraisers, I should say. 
all right so let's talk about what's coming up for this week uh we have a very interesting conversation uh, lined up for you so i spoke to sajit pai and uh, amal watts of uh, bloom ventures and the startup ecosystem has been buzzing about the the indus valley annual report 2023 that came out uh, you know maybe a couple of weeks back uh right so we got to dip, dig deeper with uh, sajit and amal on the various aspects of the report if you haven't checked it out do check it out uh, we'll link to it in the description uh, some fascinating insights based on data and i really felt happy talking to sajit and amal about the various aspects of the report uh, as you guys uh, already know i am an india optimist uh, forever uh, right and there's indeed plenty to be optimistic about uh, in the report uh, if you're an indian so Yeah, uh, we're going to put that out hopefully by Thursday or Friday. Yeah. All right. So with that, we come to the end of the startup operator roundup. Uh, let us know how we did. If there's something that we should have covered, we will definitely line that up for next week. Uh, also, keep your suggestions coming in, and don't forget to follow, subscribe, all of the good stuff. You know what to do. Uh, <laughs> we we've said it before, right? Uh, and show some love to Thiru as well in the comments. Uh, we'll see you next week on another episode of the Startup Operator Roundup. share like enjoy see you bye bye bye